Hello and welcome to the latest Talking City podcast for the Manchester News. I'm Rich Fay. Another quiet week in the life of Manchester City and I'm joined once again by Ian Cheeseman. You got my name pronounced right. Just about. Here's the big one though. Need a drum roll for this. And I'm joined, as always, by my fellow Toyota Igo companion, Simon Baikowski. Hello. Was that... Good pronunciation? Yeah, I think so. Just I was a bit, short a bit carried away by the drum roll, if I'm honest. Yeah, but. let's not dwell on it. No. Nope. And let's hope that's not ruined the podcast audio, because <laughs> lots of people have just tuned off right there, haven't they? But um, yeah, a game for City at the weekend. Um, lost to Chelsea, but upon reflection, it's a defeat that doesn't really matter too much, because the ugly side of football reared its head during the game. But um, there's been a lot of, while it's been a horrible sort of backlash the the incident with Raheem Sterling the alleged racism he uh, received at Stamford Bridge um, football on the whole has come out well and defended him and Raheem Sterling um, has come out the the incident as always as a wonderful young person who has to put up with a lot of awful stuff in football but Ian Cheeseman what's what's your take on the, the Raheem Sterling incident at Stamford well, Bridge at the weekend isn't it a shame that you know, we love football. Everybody who's sat here doing this now loves football. Hopefully everybody listening to this is loves football. This has got nothing to do with football. It is a societal problem. It'll never go away. Um, it doesn't matter what country you go to, where you live. Um, there are people who have a problem with somebody who isn't like them. Um, I don't know why it's like that, but it is like that. And I don't think it'll ever change. Um, unfortunately, what we saw at Chelsea, uh, you know, was horrible to witness. I was sat watching it from the, the press box. I could tell something was going on. I suspected it might be what what is being alleged, but I couldn't tell at the time. It wasn't until afterwards when we saw the pictures and uh, on social media that we started to come to that conclusion and saw Raheem Sterling's statement, which uh, which is, you know, perhaps had to be done and, and he was right to do. Um, and the way he reacted to it, you've got to say, was was exemplary. It even crossed in my mind while the, the, the whole thing was unfolding that he might walk off. I didn't know for sure it was racism at that moment, but given that we've seen incidents in um, international football and, and around around different leagues where people have said, if that happens to me, I think I've seen Balotelli quoted in the past, that if that ever happens to him in a game, he will walk off. And teammates have said, I will walk off too. Um, Sterling heard what he heard, which is uh, yet to be proven, but we pretty much know we think anyway yeah. what happened uh, it's not it's not rocket science is it people can read lips etc um but you know he he smiled he laughed and dealt with it and i don't know raheem sterling personally um we don't get to meet for well we might occasionally meet them and interview them i don't so much these days but certainly simon will but even those short little bits are controlled and we don't really know the person the multimillionaires they live in a bubble so how would you get to know them but everything i've heard about him and everything i see about him and this probably applies to a lot of footballers is that they are you know great human beings he, he has done nothing that i'm aware of that causes any reason for anything but um, pride and and praise for him, um, you know um, things like you know buying a house for his his mom or you know whatever things have been in the media in the past. Well, fantastic! I wish I could do that for 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 my uh, close people as well. Um, he he conducts himself it seems with with integrity, with honour, uh, and does everything right, and yet he's subjected to that. But 
you know, I've been around a long time. I saw Alex Williams make the first team at City as a goalkeeper. And when he ran out to a, a, a game, particularly away, maybe even happened at Main Road from, from my memory, bananas were thrown on, onto the field near him. That, it's just disgusting and it's horrible. And it's not just a, a black or white thing, by the way. Racism can apply to just coming from another country. I mean, at the moment we're... You know, I know this isn't a political podcast, but we're in the middle of, of Brexit and the divisions that you can see that have been created in the country um, and the, the strong feelings about immigrants and all sorts of other stuff. Pep Guardiola mentioned that in his statement at the press conference today, you know, that, that the problems worldwide, it's societies and unfortunately will never go away. Um, Chelsea have, have reacted quite swiftly. Uh, they've dealt with, it seems, the, the people that have been accused. Um, I don't know what else you can say or do really because you know as far as I'm concerned and I'm sure I speak for everybody with with a sensible mind anyway everybody on this planet deserves the same amount of respect and and the fact that you might have a different religion a different coloured skin a different gender a different sexuality whatever it might be you deserve the same amount of respect as anybody else so those types of things in society not just football need to be eradicated, but I'm sad to say it probably never will be. Si, you were at Stamford Bridge as well. <laughs> yeah, you, I, I, don't know, I don't know how to follow that really. Yeah. That was, you know, summed up um, a lot of, of what the situation is. That I, I was just tremendously sad and disappointed that the day after a fantastic game of football between two really good teams, the main talking point was was the word spoken black or mank that was like the main talking point and it just seemed like well you know we've had 90 minutes of terrific football that would be that should be the talking point but it's not because of a few idiots and you know my sadness is minuscule because you got to see what Reem Sterling has to put up with an awful lot and what people like him have to put up with and it's just unacceptable and very sad and all credit to him really powerful image and footage of him just laughing in the face you know I don't it's that must take some strength but for him he says that's normal and and that's really sad but you know I don't don't know what we can do to I, I think maybe before the last few weeks we kind of saw it as like a linear scale as you know society getting better and racism being phased out perhaps and then the Aubameyang instant and this instant go to show that no there are still these um just people that they don't even deserve like I know it's been said in the book they don't even deserve the respect I know Jurgen Klopp said it as well they're the people who don't even deserve to be talked talked about no people no no it's just so inhumane it's disgusting and like you said it's the sort of helplessness how we feel or because it's just so un. It's just disgusting, horrible yeah, behaviour yeah. that you would like to think in this society where you always look back in history and say, "Weren't those times bad? Wasn't that awful?" But then here we are, 2018, and these still same issues are still arising, still cropping up. Well, nobody likes to talk about it, and nobody, you know, likes to think there is a problem. And we, you know, we have Kick It Out who do great work, and they have and that will be sort of represented from the clubs but you know I don't know maybe more needs to be done to sort of eradicate these kinds of incidents but then it's hard because Guardiola was talking about today you know 
football it's not sort of football leading society it's football reflecting society and you know these these people with these views are still out there sadly um you know credit to Chelsea for for like Ian said acting swiftly and uh sort of doing the right thing but you know it you'd like to think it won't happen again it will and hopefully the response the next time it happens will be as positive largely um apart from certain good morning britain hosts as yeah. uh, as it has been this time and certain awful ex-Reading strikers who don't even deserve mention on this podcast either. But um, like you say, it's an issue that um, I saw lots of people on Twitter as well say that it's an issue we need to make sure never goes away. Need to keep it on the forefront. It's not something you just sort of push to one side and say, let's hope that never happens again. It's something that needs to be openly discussed and openly sort of yeah, debated. We can debate it and talk about it from now till the cows come home. It's never going to change. I mean, one of the reasons uh, that, that's been spoken about for so long is that, um, you know, that, that nobody who's openly homosexual as a, as a male footballer has come out because they're scared of the consequences. That that Just that statement is damning, isn't it? That, that we still live in a society where people are, are scared to actually talk about things that might lend them to become a victim of this type of thing. Um, as I said, it's not just about black and white. Racism is is generally talked about in terms of black people and white people, but it, racism takes all sorts of forms. Yeah, well, the, the latest Kick It Out um, campaign, which they advertised over the weekend, was with xenophobia against Jewish people as well. Yeah, exactly, exactly. And I mean... You know, you look in the. Uh, uh, I think it was my son said to me the other day. He was watching another game. I think it might have been the Watford Everton game, and there was a close up of the crowd. And one of the players, and and I can't remember who it was. It may well have been a white player, right? Just to make the point, who was close to the crowd and the opposition fans. Again, I'm not going to single out one lot of fans. Were were full of vitriol and hatred. You could see it all over the faces. That in itself. You know, why Why are people so angry? It's a football match. These are individuals playing a game of football. You've paid money to go and watch them to be entertained. Why is there so much hatred? That comes from tribalism. Uh, you know, that, that comes from the fact that, you know, that team isn't the team you support. You see it in the Liverpool-Manchester divide. You see it in a North-South divide. Why? Why is there so much? I got to watch football, A, all right, as a journalist to report on it, but also as a fan. As, and as a customer to be entertained by it. I don't go to the theatre and, and start shouting and bawling at people. Why would I do that? Be What's the difference? It may be it would. <laughs> but, 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 you but, get chucked out though. Yeah, well, yeah. Yeah, exactly. that, that's a fair point. But it's t- it seems to be accepted at football where it shouldn't be. It's got to this point where, as, as Ian said... I don't think it is though, is it? Because Chelsea have acted. What else could they do? They couldn't have prevented it. So somebody's done what they've done and they've reacted and they're now, they're now acting on it. You know, but if, if there are a lot of people in a ground, I know this is going off the point slightly, but the, the rules, and by the way, I'm, I'm a big fan of safe standing, but the rules say you can't stand up in your seats at football matches. But because thousands of people want to do it, you end up having to turn a blind eye. If it's an individual that does it, you can make them sit down. And it's the same with racism or xenophobia or whatever it might be that you're talking about, gender, sexism, it doesn't matter what it is. If it's an individual, you can deal with it. If there's a lot of people doing it, it you can't deal with it as, as much. So they've identified four, I think, haven't they? Well, it, I mean, as well, it's like a massive issue because it's happening to 
high profile games where there have been loads of cameras and loads of people reporting yeah. on it and you know we've been naive to think that these are the only two instances at games there's one in the Scottish Premier League this week yeah it was charged um, for racism as well yeah but you know certainly game. lower down the leagues as well where there are fewer cameras and fewer attention on these games it, it's not just a something at Chelsea or Arsenal no, exactly but as you said Sai it was uh an issue that, that we had to discuss today. But as you said, it was, it was a game of football on Saturday. It was a fantastic game of football. That was the, the like you said, it, this is a football podcast. That This is what we should be talking about. And we shouldn't even sort of, it's, it's a situation, as you said, that, that needs addressing. But at the end of the day, it's something that you almost feel helpless in. Hopefully it's the, maybe a turning point in that, but you do sense deep down that, that the problem lies much deeper than just within yeah, football it fans. It does. Uh, listen, let's bring it to the football. If, if I have your permission, Pep said today that if a player or the manager is being vilified, didn't use these exact words because he's Catalan <laughs> and obviously speaks in broken English, but if, if a player or a manager is being vilified for not being very good at football or not mm. doing very well or whatever it might be... He didn't quite that, say that, did no, he? No, said, <laughs> no, but it, that was pretty much the gist of it, wasn't it? Yes, that was the, um, All right, so that, the language we're allowed to use on this podcast. Well, so I'll, I'll, has got a beep button has that's, he that's not used very often but well we, I will say right we've, it's ironic this but I will say if Raheem Sterling had put his chances away in the first half it may have been a different result correct but City missed their chances now I don't say that with any other agenda than a pure football agenda of analysing a player of winning a or, or, or yeah. analysing yeah. a match well that's the thing it's like it's almost you can't say Sterling was poor on Saturday now because there was so much that went on afterwards. Yeah. But if you're looking at the game, yeah, he sticks that chance away at 1-0, City win the game. Yeah, and and Sane also had a, a good chance in the game. You know, there were, yeah. there were two or three chances yeah. in that first half when City were actually playing superb mm. football, pushing uh, Chelsea back. They hardly had a chance, they hardly had the ball, really. I know it was only 60% rather than the 75 but overall they were really controlling the game. Then there's one mistake at the back. Sane was the one who was identified. I believe it or not, I've not actually watched the replay in detail since the game no. was at, but everybody seems to accept that Sane hadn't tr- Walker, picked up uh, Walker as well. well right so the two of them hadn't picked up Kante who scores the goal and from that point onwards the whole match changes Chelsea come out different City are chasing the game and you know I think in the end Chelsea deserved to win it if you look at their second half performance but then you get an overreaction from some fans and some media that would you know it's like the end of the world no it isn't they lost a the game they're always going to lose a game somewhere and and if they're going to lose to a very good Chelsea team who played well, particularly in the second half, there's no shame in that. No, no. I mean, I, I don't want to go too much into Pep's. We never said we were invincible. All you yeah. lot said we were invincible because, you know, <laughs> Pep has a role to play as Manchester City manager and came out and defended his players after the game and wouldn't say anything about the players that weren't there because you know he's defending his players and he saw the effort from them etc etc um but um you sound a bit cynical last time <laughs> no i just i just think it's it's very easy to turn things on if you, you yeah. the media yeah, um, sort of blame them. So you're the one saying this. Yeah, yeah. And, and oh, I, I'm, I'm certainly not saying that. I'm saying some fans 
some media would would you know but i, I don't think i've seen it. i don't think i've seen anything that said city will go the season unbeaten no i wasn't meaning that but there's certainly i've seen media and i've certainly i've even seen city fans saying that's it now um you know pep's been found out uh, liverpool now title uh, yeah. to lose and all that that's but, the type of thing i'm referring to yeah but yeah and but on the flip side of that Guardiola seems to be suggesting that we'd all handed City the title. Um, yeah, which is also prematurely. Also, right? Yeah, you're right. That that was premature. But uh, but I've not seen anyone handing City the title. That's the thing. Well, have you not seen anybody handing Liverpool the title now in the aftermath? No, I've not. No. Oh, I have. Any <laughs> any anyone you'd like to name? <laughs> no, no. I'm talking about. You know, we're talking social media a lot. Of this. Right, well, social you know, media yeah, is, lots of people is, is the platform for this sort of thing, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, but you can say anything you like on there and yeah, true. it's forgotten because yeah. you tweet 40 times a day and people forget you. You can often hide you. behind a persona as well. Yeah. Like, you can delete what you want, like you said. And, yeah, exactly. But like yeah. I said, yeah, I do feel like, yeah. I personally feel like since the start of the season, I have to say that there's been lots of people saying the City are just really strong favourites of course because they won by 100 points last season it's always been the last maybe two months it's been City or Liverpool sort of going at it hammer and tongue but there is always an overreaction to to when yeah. City lose and I guess that's just the, the role that City play now being the best team in English football is when they lose you've got to make a big deal out of it because that sort of gets the Liverpool fans up in a frenzy it gets it all excited yeah. and it gives you a I saw the, someone say today oh finally we've got a proper title race on well, yeah, this is December. Yeah, but but, but City were. Um, I think I think City were perfectly capable of going the season unbeaten, yeah. I, and I slightly worried for them going to Stamford Bridge until they played because they haven't been great against Leon or Bournemouth, and then they went to Watford and were very very good, and that made me think I think they'll be all right at Stamford Bridge, but things caught up with them there, and they had, you know, key players missing. Fernandinho got injured in the first half, David Silva injured in the second half and they didn't take the chances and they lost. That's quite a, a sort of wide range of circumstances that it takes for City to lose a game. Yeah. Now Guardiola is saying now they've only got 15 players and they might well lose more games because of that because they've not got that deeper squad. But had they not had such bad luck, they might not have lost and you don't, you know, you're not predicting the future but there's no reason to think that they shouldn't have been aiming not to lose a game of football, even though they did. They only lost two last year in the league. Yeah, exactly. After the game, Dad Louis said, we needed to be on the top of our game. We needed City to have an off day. And that's the only way we we're going to beat the best team in, in the yeah. world, he said. Yeah. Because like you said, it was just, it almost felt like Saturday was just like all of City's bad luck again just came and sort of epitomised itself in one game. Like I said, if you take the chances, you can get away with the injuries. If the injuries don't come, you probably get the chance in the second half and it sort of solves itself in that way. But it did seem like the luck was against City this weekend. Like you said... I mean, Stu said last week on the podcast, this City team, he says, is better than the Arsenal Invincible team. They went a whole season unbeaten, so why couldn't City have done it? It, it takes those fine margins, doesn't it, to do it? And also maybe on the title race, Liverpool fans seem to f- forget the fact that Riyad Mahrez's penalty missed in the last minutes at Anfield, and that would have made the title race even more sort of in City's favour. But Ian, after the weekend, uh, after City finally losing this uh, unbeaten run, do you think in a way, maybe if you do look at it from that point of view, it's maybe not a relief for City, but maybe takes that extra pressure off of people building them up saying can you do it all season can you go all season because Pep said last season there was no way they were going to they were going to do it 
Well, I don't think anybody realistically thought... I, I, I take your point, Simon, you know, about that it, it could have been done. You know, they, they were capable of doing that. And once the Chelsea game was out of the way, there was only really Old Trafford and maybe Goodison Park with the, with the tough away games. And in theory, not not in practice necessarily. No, no. They did lose at home to United last season. But in theory at home, yeah. you'd, you'd think, well, you know, you should be, be able to be, remain invincible there. But... Um, I don't. I think some. It might be a slight advantage to City now, at least for now, because obviously United play Liverpool at the weekend could change again. But for now, at least City are the chasing team, and maybe maybe that's not a bad thing. You know, the pressure goes on the league leaders, doesn't it? Now, and it becomes this: it's yours to lose. Well, technically. It's City's and Liverpool's to lose because both of them, if they either of them win all their remaining games, they're champions. Because City's still got to play Liverpool, haven't they? So um, uh, maybe maybe the pressure's gone onto Liverpool, and I, I suppose I mean, Leroy Sane was speaking today, and he was quite quite bullish about that, really, mm. wasn't he? And um, you know, and, and may, maybe it sort of refocuses. I don't think they really needed a refocusing, but maybe it refocuses the City players' minds that if you were getting slightly complacent. Um, that, that that now goes away, but I do think the absence of Sergio Aguero was a key part of of uh, this weekend. I know he didn't play at Chelsea last year. I know they won one nil anyway. Kevin De Bruyne has scored the goal, but I think um, you know that there's a debate to be had about uh, Jesus, and a lot of City fans are having that debate at the moment. I'm, I'm surprised, even though he hasn't been rattling goals in and showing the form perhaps he did when he first came to City uh, my temptation would I, I personally but I'm not Pep and I don't know better than Pep he knows better than me but I think I'd have started Jesus with Sterling and Sane on either side of him uh, rather than play Mares and, and drop um, Jesus but that's just my opinion I, I agree with your opinion Thank you. Yeah, I think. Uh, sorry to butt inside, but I think. Yeah. yeah go. If you don't, when you go for a big game like that, you don't play a striker. There's always sort of that inclination of, the, of the, what are you going there to do? If you go there without a recognised sort of attacker, as you put it, are you actually going there to attack and try, try to score goals? And I think it did cost them. I think Jesus was good when he came came off the bench as well. I thought. Yeah. And yeah, lot, he was lots all right. people are giving him a, a bit of stick, saying because he's not Aguero, but no one else in the world is Sergio Aguero. And like Ian said, there, City are still keeping pace with Liverpool, who've had. Is it still their best ever start to a Premier League season? And they're one point ahead of City who haven't had Kevin De Bruyne for any of it. So I think maybe some of the the outcry from City's defeat really is unnecessary because the best player in the Premier League probably has not been playing for the best team in the Premier League. Yeah, I think as well, Guardiola pretty much admitted after the game that he got it wrong by not picking Jesus. Um, He picked Sterling because he thought Chelsea would line up in a particular way and they didn't. This surprised him. Um, and that meant that his, you know, he sets his t- team up to win a game based on how he thinks the opponent will line up, and uh, and it, it's these small margins that again contributed to to City not being able to to win the game because Sterling is kind of the the best of that three of playing centrally, Sterling, Mahrez, and Sane, but he's not great centrally. Um, I always think he's better coming in. With uh, with sort of the touchline behind him, so it was just another small thing that kind of went against City, and um, it happened on Saturday, happened against Leon, but generally Pep gets it right, and that's why he's won everything that he has, and 
you would like to think or you would expect that he will get a lot more right than wrong for the rest of the season. Personally, and it is only my opinion, I don't profess to be an expert, but Raheem Sterling is a fabulous player and he's got better under Pep. But I think he always looks most effective when he's playing on the right. And I know people say, well, he can play anywhere across the the front line and everything. Yeah, maybe he can. And and it's only my opinion, but I think Raheem Sterling is terrifying when he's playing on the right-hand side. When he plays in the middle, when he plays on the left, I don't think he's effective. So since, I'm I'm, I'm not having a go at Mahrez here, by the way, but since Mahrez has come in, he's only played basically on that right-hand side. So that means when he plays, Sterling doesn't play in his natural position. That's a concern for me because I think Sterling is as effective as any player going forward, certainly in the absence of uh, Kevin De Bruyne. And it always, nearly always means then that Sterling's moved to the left or centrally or whatever to accommodate Mahrez. Um, whilst that might be okay against some of the weaker teams in the Premier league personally I think Sterling's got to start on the right in the big games yeah I think it's just natural that you you play your best players in their best positions Tottenham wouldn't play Harry Kane on the left wing and put someone else through in the middle you know what they could probably play Harry and this sounds terribly disrespectful but there you go (laughs) they could play Harry Kane on the left wing you know against Fulham and but get away but they it. couldn't do it against Liverpool. Yeah. That's yeah. the point. And that's what people need to realise, maybe from Raheem Stone, that he is he's maybe best winger. On his, I know lots of people have this fascination, they love Leroy Sainz stuff, but for me personally, I think um, Raheem Sterling probably is the most consistent attacking player, really. He play on that right-hand side, like you said. It is the position where, where he comes into his own. It's where he's sort of plays a whole life and he just knows how to terrify defenders yeah, yeah. And, that, and that's the Jesus argument as well you know he's not been in great form but it still would have been better to have a, I think an out of form striker to have him as the focal point and have Sterling and Sane doing what they do best and Jesus trying to do what he does best rather than switching it round and I know sometimes it pulls defenders all over the place but it um, yeah I think nobody can say but Jesus might have been a better option. Yeah. But of course, you've got to give it the advantage to Chelsea. And that's like, and last yeah. season, Guardiola did say Sarri was in his top three managers in Europe prior to the Napoli games. And it's not as if they've been beaten by one of the minnows in the league. This is Chelsea, who until a couple of weeks ago were unbeaten themselves and have sort of blown away expectations themselves this season. But, yeah, uh, Chelsea were really good. Really good. Deserve a lot race. of praise. They're still in the um, title yeah. race, Chelsea. They were very, very good. And you kind of wondered a bit because, like, what, are the wheels falling off because they'd lost at Wolves in midweek? Yeah. But um, I can't remember who said it after the game, but one of the Chelsea players said they just got the mother of all tellings off from Sarri after the game at Wolves. And that kind of terrified them into a fantastic performance. And, you know, they, you've got to ride the City waves because City were really good in that first half. And if they'd have taken those chances, they would have won the game. But Ch- Chelsea, you know, stood firm, made the most of getting away with those chances and capitalised when it mattered. Yeah, I guess even though it was a defeat, one of the, one of the maybe only sort of... Sort of maybe positive except from a City point of view was both goals were avoidable in that they were maybe defensive errors where they switched off at two moments so it is those fine margins but it's not as if it's a categoric defeat where City have been battered by a team and you really do start to worry because it's a game they easily could have won they could have drawn it but in the end they lost um, after the game there was a lot of debate I've got a feeling I know what the answer going to be to this but um, lots of fans said do City need to maybe reevaluate their January transfer plans I know you've been with Pep today it is Pep 
press Pete. conference. But do you think personally, Ian, that City need to buy new players in January if they are to maybe not only retain their Premier League crown, but to not get caught out in Europe? And the, 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 the difficulty of saying yes, go out and buy somebody <laughs> is then that those, I mean, obviously a lot of City fans listen to this rather than fans of other clubs, <laughs> but they immediately go, oh, there they go, trying to buy the title yeah. again. Haven't they got enough players already? I do think that there's a problem with um, not having a, a third striker um, personally because if Aguero was out long term then even forgetting the debate about how good Jesus is or anything if, if Aguero who has a history of getting injuries every now and again was out for any period of time and you're expecting Jesus to play in every game and then suddenly he gets injured then I personally think that's a problem and of course the real big one which everybody knows I'm sure is something happens to Fernandinho and when we saw him rubbing the top of his thigh early on in that game I know he got through the 90 minutes but that was a massive massive worry and when you know I'm sure Simon was doing the same when we tweeted out and people were the, the immediate reaction from City fans no no not Fernandinho you know if it had been Gundogan who got an injury or um, even if it had been Sterling or Sane you think well there's other alternatives but Fernandinho it feels like there isn't one and he's such a key player so I know they've been interested in Frankie de Jong it looks like he's not going to come you know there are other players that they've been interested in in that position maybe they have I mean I'm sure they do try to keep it quiet but as soon as they seem to alert anybody to anybody they're interested in first of all United swoop in and try and sign them and other clubs do as well so um, what I'm saying is I suppose even though there may be other reasons why Pep's saying what he's saying because obviously the club's been looked at with FFP and all sorts of other things other issues um, but I personally would would like to see um, a couple of signings uh, a striker and a and a and a central midfielder call him a defensive midfielder but I don't think Fernandinho's exclusively defensive midfielder but somebody to play that role yeah. and somebody to play to be a third striker even if it's you know a relatively short term fix uh, that that doesn't cost millions and millions but there needs to be I feel some sort of alternative yeah, I've always sort of thought before I asked you on this side that even if you don't, even if you have got a growing in Hazel's fit, it'd be nice to have another striker in who offers maybe something a bit different to the both. You've got the natural goal scorer all, all the time in Sergio Aguero. You've got Jesus who maybe stretches defence a bit more, more of a poacher. And maybe if you had someone else, I mean, oh, I know it's ridiculous, but I always thought someone like Giroud would be good because his link up plays good. He's a bit more aerial. He's very selfless off the ball. He knows how to chase men down. But um, I guess asking you, Sai, is how likely do you think it is that City will actually invest in January? Or is it going to be the case of what we've seen in recent years where if the right player comes available for the right price, then that's the only situation we'd see them? Buy? Yeah, yeah. The um, the word so far certainly is that there will be no new additions in January and that they are happy with the squad that they've got. Um, with David Silva and Fernandinho getting injured a bit more, I don't know whether that sort of increases the the need to buy in January. Um, I don't think David Silva's out for very long. Pep was saying a few weeks. Fernandinho, it didn't look serious, but as Ian said, he is the one. Um, I think in terms of like a third striker who does things a bit differently, it's just not very Guardiola, is it? No. You're right. It's what I'd do if I, if I was on a football game. It's what I'd do. But I'm, yeah. I'm not in charge of Man City and I'm not a good football manager. So. And I, I, well, I can think of a few, or one in particular, tall, very good striker who 
didn't like things under Guardiola because he didn't get everything his way and it wasn't football played as as he wanted it. Guardiola, for whatever reason, well, his, his success would probably tell you, tell you the reason, but he likes these short... Um, very talented, very good in small spaces, brilliant control. He likes those kind of players up front. Um, and so it would be a big surprise because it would be a, a turn away from what he's done to bring in like a Jekyll or a Negredo type figure rather than re-signing those players. But those, you know, those are the yeah. kind of players that you could say City are missing, um, but it's quite hard to to see how they would fit in. And the other thing as well is uh, squad rotation because, yeah, Guardiola has a small squad and relies on getting people enough minutes to keep them happy uh, while sort of disappointing two or three players every week. That's sort of the nature of it. It looks a bit threadbare at the minute with their injuries, but he doesn't like big squads. So if you were to bring in another, another few players, I think if they bring in players in January, it sort of significantly increases their chances of winning the Champions League. I don't think it would make too much difference to the Premier League because I think they can, even if they're not at full strength, they can get away with winning most games that they come into without being at 100%. But it, I think it would make a serious difference to to the Champions League. And it, it's interesting that against Leon and against Chelsea, Pep's come out afterwards and said, you know, these are Champions League teams. This is why we're not favourites for the Champions League because we can't win games or we haven't won games like this. In terms of some transfer news, uh, Ian, uh, this week, Phil Foden on Monday committed his long-term future to the club. Not only great news for City fans, but great news for the work the academy is doing as well at the CFA. And uh, you must be excited to see Phil Foden commit his long-term future to the club, especially maybe given the... There's some fans worried that the likes of Brahim still futures in the air and Jane Sancho has gone away and done wonderful things. But to have Phil Foden committed to... If sitting. Phil Foden fulfills his promise, it's an amazing signing. Five and a half year contract, £30,000 a week. That's £9 million or thereabouts over the course of his, his contract. That's quite a commitment. Um, I know these days £30,000 doesn't sound a lot, but I'd take it. Um, <laughs> you know, and, and, and You're I'm only sh- on 25 a week, aren't you? Yeah. <laughs> and I'm and some I'm, bonuses. <laughs> I'm sure he's giddy and he's, so he should be. He's a City fan. His family are all City fans um, and great, great. But at the moment, he's still unfulfilled potential. As much as we all want to say, you know, he's brilliant, um, he hasn't yet proven it. Um, that's not being harsh or unfair. It's just a fact. You know, he's, he's come on and made cameos in the first team or played in the, the less important games. Um, we've yet to see him. Uh, do it in the big games but if everybody's view is right and the belief that they have in him is right and Pep's right in giving him this contract then we're in for some exciting times and ultimately it might look like a snip of a deal Um, but at the moment all I'd say is I'm I'm hopeful and enthusiastic and pleased for the lad but let's see how how it all pans out at least they've secured him so they can't lose him uh, which they did with Jadon Sancho who tore my the team Schalke part of the weekend and uh, and obviously if Diaz goes I'll be sad to see him go because uh, I think he's a talent as well but they've got fallen in the bag 
good news. Yeah, Sai, you've watched a lot of Foden as well, and sort of coming through in the in the youth ranks as well. City, uh, what do you what do you make of him so far? Do you think he has the potential to be a real deal, or do you think there still is a lot he has to do before City fans can truly get excited by him? No, I think he's been I think he's been excellent. I mean, and he he stood out like a sore thumb in the academy teams for just being a class above everything else. Um, it's been obviously a very long learning experience and that still carries on he's not had much sort of playing time but he's been learning all the time um i sort of wondered if he was maybe if if he had a slight dip in form towards the end of last season but he kind of has stepped back up and he's been very good um this season, even when he's, it's even like Oxford, I didn't think he played amazing, but he he was responsible for all three goals and he won them the game, and that that is sort of as important as as playing very well if you can win games for your team. And uh, you know, without him playing so much, we all hoped he would get minutes uh, against Leon um, when there was that injury crisis. But what we've said all along is that. If you speak to Phil or you speak to Pep, they say Phil's happy. And this contract, more than anything, shows that Phil Foden is happy to continue developing at Man City. So for everyone that sort of suggests that the world is ending when he doesn't start, then Phil's happy. So as long as that's the case... Who cares about the rest? Yeah, and the world shouldn't end on Wednesday night because Phil Foden, you'd expect to play against Hoffenheim. <laughs> He's got a couple of games coming up in the next couple of weeks, hasn't he, for sure? I'm sure he'll start against Hoffenheim. Don't say that. He's bound to play it. Yeah, okay, you can play the tape back in a week from now, but he's bound to play at Leicester next week as well. Yeah. yeah. Um, so that's Ian Cheeseman confirmed starter against Hoffenheim. That's a, that's a podcast exclusive. Yeah. But yeah, you, that must be an exciting opportunity. I guess the game against Hoffenheim just give an opportunity for some of the maybe the fringe players, not that there are many at City, and some of the younger players to, to get an opportunity to, to shine I, the first. I think there was a hint in what Pep said today uh, that um, he's not too bothered if they don't top the group or win it because he, he did that sort of caveat where he said, uh, you know, you, you can finish second in the group and get an easier draw than if you'd finish top in the group. I don't think that's because he's been sat there studying it and thought, I don't want them and the odds of get. I don't think he's done that. But I think he's thought to himself, when I pick my team against uh, Hoffenheim and people might accuse me of, uh, you know, leaving senior players out... um we already know that, that City are in the draw, which happens a week on, I think it's next Monday, yeah. isn't it? Um, and, and so you have to be realistic. There's so many games over this Christmas period. And you mentioned, he, he, almost as in a throwaway line, David Silva's only out for a few weeks. But the trouble is, this is the period where you're playing a game every yeah. three yeah. days. So a few weeks earlier in the season might not have been as damaging as a few weeks now is. Um, and a few, a few weeks from now, City play Liverpool. Um, and certainly don't wish Christmas away Ian you want David Silva to be fit for that though don't you oh yeah very yeah least. yeah yeah well you'd hope that De Bruyne's back and Fernandinho's back Guerrero will be back Guerrero's back by then absolutely so maybe that Liverpool unbeaten run which people seem to forget Liverpool actually lost to Red Star Belgrade in the Champions League well I mean they've you know they've got Napoli T- tonight on tonight, the tonight if, if that's the, not a given if at the all. podcast goes out tonight it might go out Tomorrow, tomorrow. Yeah, they played so last night against Napoli. Yeah, it was a it was a fantastic <laughs> win or a disappointing Draw. defeat. But they've got United 
at the weekend as well went after City play Everton so I think the the, the danger just before City I think at Christmas yeah yeah and, and I, I was guilty of sort of saying this City v Liverpool on January 3rd will be this sort of big huge game in deciding the title and there's a lot of football to be played before then it could be a completely different fixture we're looking at by the time that game comes about. Um, but yeah, I guess looking ahead side to, to Hoffenheim on Wednesday, do you think there are any other players maybe other than Foden, some of the youngsters who could get an opportunity or maybe who you think do deserve an opportunity in the first team? Well, Claudio Gomez is one who came from PSG in summer um, because he said there was more chance of getting first team football at City. Uh, so you'd think they'd sort of have to have offered that to him or said that to him for him Otherwise to, you feel for him to, for to then repeat it. Um, he's playing the Fernandinho He position. plays in the Fernandinho position and Guardiola did tout him as an option yeah. at the start of the season. He's since gone away and played with the, uh, the EDS and the under-19s and that, but he may well be involved um, especially because he is in the Fernandinho position or Adria Bernabe who they got from Barcelona in the summer has looked very very classy whenever he's played in the academy teams um, I think I don't know Felix Nemecha is an outside bet but I um, no love for Tom Delabashiru who is a <laughs> an in joke between you a favourite of yours favourite of mine yeah um, the one I'd chuck in though is maybe Rabbi Matondo because yeah, he's, he's so fast and he's been supposedly linked with a couple of big clubs and if you were looking at giving Sterling a rest for example mm. with the fixtures that are coming up yeah you know he could play in that position effectively yeah. couldn't he of course yeah. he's a full Wales international now Rabbi Matondo yes. as well so it's not as if you're just throwing in some youth kids no played good knowledge that Rich <laughs> it's good knowledge thank you for yeah, I, I think we'll see a couple of them on the bench. Yeah, so purely because City don't have anyone else, yeah. and unless he's going to do a, a Burnley and name six subs, or two subs or something. Yeah, so, or we just won't make subs tonight. <laughs> we'll play these eleven. Whatever happens, happens. Maybe even he'll have a game. Who knows? I mean, Arteta could be the two subs. <laughs> we'll see. But um, other than that, the week as well, we've got a, a game against Everton on the weekend. Um, a, a game. I know we spoke in previous podcasts, haven't we, Cheesy, about how City, you talk about how they sort of matched their results from last season. Of course, the game against Chelsea means that they've now lost a game that we won last season. But Everton at home last season was a draw. It was always sort of that blotch on that notepad early in the season, a game that City should have won. If not for a controversial refereeing decision, they probably would have won. But um, Everton at home is always a tricky test, but an exciting one as well. Depends who you substitute Wolves for, but match for match and like for like, I think City is still one point up, actually, on... Yeah. on the equivalent of games of last season but you're right and of course we beat United at home which they lost to yeah, but, last season but so. then played United at, oh yeah of course they played United at home what I'm talking about but yeah yeah that was three points yeah. that they got back that's the that's what we're talking about Everton at home you're right was a draw last season and I still think Everton are a very very good team I know that they, they had their ups and downs against Watford in midweek but I think they're dangerous opposition um, and if City fans are uh, expecting to bowl up at the Etihad on Saturday and, and see another four or five niller I don't think that's going to happen I think this is going to be a real test for City um, I know they've got a game against Hoffenheim before then but realistically that's the game that is the bounce back from Chelsea so hopefully they'll be very motivated for that I'd, I, I'm hoping that we'll see a bit of Kevin De Bruyne maybe off the bench or something um, 
Yeah, at least in that game. I mean, he didn't rule him out. And he also, Pep said that Aguero might might make that game back. If he does, I suspect he won't play 90 minutes either. But, you know, if you've, if you've seen a couple of their returns, that might help a little bit. But they might be without, well, they will be without David Silva, um, who is such a, such a crucial player. Not going to be easy that against Everton. I think if they can sneak a one goal margin victory I think everybody would be mighty relieved I certainly would be mighty relieved with that yeah it's um, I, I remember being in the Etihad press room last season when Watford were beating Chelsea and I said Marco Silva is absolutely brilliant and Chelsea came back to win and I don't think Marco Silva won another game as Watford manager <laughs> before he was sacked and, uh, he's a good coach though isn't yeah, he yeah so let's drink some again <laughs> you can see the impact that he has on his players when he comes in and I think after the um, a sort of staleness that had crept in under under Big Sam I think he's a he's an exciting appointment and he's done very well and he's got Richarlison firing on yeah. good play he's on all cylinders man, really, isn't he? he's been and linked with Barcelona yesterday he was Richarlison which seriously sort of yeah caliber. well City were caught out last season by Calvert-Lewin yeah just like pace and dynamic forward play and I think they're going to have to be at their best for, for Richarlison to to be kept at bay on, on Saturday but City are at home, so you would expect them to to sort of control the game. So it'll just be down to whether they, they can take the chances better than they could at uh, the bridge at the weekend. Yeah, like you said, Ian, there could be an early Christmas present if either De Bruyne or Aguero makes their return this weekend. That is a big boost. And I guess as a City fan, it must give you optimism as well that you've still not seen the best maybe City eleven play once this season and we're nearly halfway through, which is, maybe is a negative in that sense, but all the big games are to come and City's best eleven still haven't really got going yet. No, and they won't for a while yet, will they? Because there's some long-term injuries in there. So, um, But, you know, Kevin De Bruyne coming back, we saw when he, he eased back after the first injury, and I didn't play for long, but he'd come back a little bit. People were sort of almost expecting him to suddenly be back to his very best again. Uh, with that Liverpool game on the horizon, and whilst it won't necessarily be the title decider, it will definitely be a crucial game. And you'd hope that Kevin De Bruyne would have enough time and enough minutes during the next few games to be at, back to his peak, hopefully, by the time Liverpool visit. And if he is back to his peak, then he'll make a huge difference. Yeah, and you are two people who have made a huge difference today on the Talking City podcast. Smooth, smooth. <laughs> I hope you're both. Rich, in- you've made a big difference today as well. <laughs> well, that's all. And let's give producer Ash. Producer and Ash. Producer. Well, he, he makes producer. all the difference. He makes all the difference. Has he recorded it correctly this yeah, week? Yeah, I think yeah. he has. And I think this is probably about the third month or so he's been here and the first time he's ever been mentioned on the podcast. So I think that's about time we finally give him a bit of recognition. Yeah. Hang on a minute. He hosted it one week when you're absent. That's a very good point. Oh. That's a very good point. I'll- I don't care about the podcast while I'm not here. It doesn't count. It's not, a, it's not an official first team game, is it? It's reserves out. Carabao Cup. Carabao Cup podcasts. But um, we will be back next week for a Carabao Cup check podcast. Check a trade trophy podcast. And yeah, of course... Check the live podcast. one this week. Don't forget. Well, not I said live. I, the live one. Yeah. Is, it will actually be live, will it? No. no but yeah, but, but no. it will be recorded from a live event that yeah. we're all going to. Yes, which is exciting. And it's also kind of... Well, it'll be current, won't it? But it won't be sort of out of date by the Everton game. So you can listen at your leisure. Yes, that's Thursday night. There's still some tickets available at the Football Museum. A few tickets left, yeah. £5 a ticket, you get a free drink and there's a Bargain. 
And there's a chance to win tickets to the Tunnel Club as well. Yes, for the Wolves game at Should home. Should be a real Monday treat. night in January. And you get to see Ian Cheeseman in the flesh, which I know for some people is a, is a big coup. And Simon, and I can say his name, Bykovsky as well. <laughs> yes, and sort of a few... Who, who are oh, they? Dennis Stewart. Dennis Sean Stewart and Sean Gauter, yeah. Stu Brennan, but yeah. what, you know. Who are, who are they? Yeah. The stars are here in this room, <laughs> aren't they? You've got the real deal. That's enough of it anyway. And I'm sure if you go up to Ian at the end and say, you listen to the Talking City podcast, he might even pose for a picture. Who knows about that? We Whoa, shall see. Let's hope they do. <laughs> we shall see. But thank you both for joining us this Pleasure. week. Again, like thank I said, you. those tickets are still on sale ahead of Thursday's event at the Football Museum in Manchester. There's a few left and a £5 ahead. More details are on our website. I know, Si, you've tweeted about that as well today. So people can yes, I have. Yeah. SP Badge Co. On, a, on Twitter if mm. they want to get that. And I'll give him a retweet then. And the Man City MEN account is retweeted as well. So oh, really? get in touch. It's yeah, very so. generous of them. And if not, feel free to drop Sai, me or Ian a message if you need more information about the tickets we'll get back in touch with you yeah. but once again thank you very much for listening to today's Talking City podcast please do leave us a review on your relevant podcast platform and don't forget to subscribe if you've enjoyed the show five stars too 